Not Quite Cool is a podcast that contains spoilers, opinions, and general nonsense. Listener discretion is advised. get into the i look like a douchebag with his hat so i'm gonna take it off cool great uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i've seen a bunch of like youtubers when they have headphones on they have a hat on so i was like should i put a hat on for these headphones i don't know my my headphones are all tangled up so i think they're like oh let me try this hat go beneath the headphone or over i don't know it's so confusing anyway i think it's the hat then the headphones on top oh, of that that just seems so complicated so much headgear um <laughs> Thank you guys for joining in on this wonderful episode of the podcast, Not Quite Cool, though we are a little bit cooler today because we are lacking our 97-year-old co-host, Rob Prago. Uh, It's just going to be me, uh, Keith uh, Brooks, here with the lovely Chad Dowdy. Chad, how are you doing? Doing good, Keith. I'm ready to uh, have the best podcast ever without Rob. (laughs) Exactly. It always makes the podcast a little bit better when we can breathe and not have to worry about him saying some senile racist bullshit or something, you know? And we also don't have to worry about uh, making jokes at his expense every two seconds. We can just be normal. Exactly, exactly. Which, to be fair, we normally make jokes at his expense every two seconds. (laughs) But let's just go ahead and dive straight into it because we've got a a bunch of things to cover. And I'm tired because I moved uh, houses and I'm unpacking and that sucks. Um, so I'm exhausted, so I I can't wait to get back to watching, I think I'm watching Star Trek Voyager or Leaving Scientology, I don't know which one I'm on, but that we're not talking about that right now. What we're talking about is some amazing stuff that we watched this past weekend, and we're going to kick it off with the reason you tune into this show, for our amazing coverage of the MCU's second Disney Plus television series, that's right, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So the pin ultimate episode, episode five, a lot of stuff happening. Chad, what did you think about the episode? Just another great episode. Um, it, it's a little bit different because there's it's action packed at the beginning, and then there's more kind of down home moments throughout the episode. It almost was like an epilogue episode, except that we didn't resolve everything. You know they. Uh, Call the bad guy if you want to call uh, the Captain America the bad guy. We still have the you know the flag smashers out there and things like that, but it was almost like you know they're going their separate ways. Bucky's like I'm going to go deal with this. Falcon's back dealing with stuff at home. It it was very comic booky in that way, in the sense that we're we're still going. There's more story, but it was um, we're we're not done, but we're done with this story almost. It, it was kind of weird in that regard, but not in a bad way. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree completely. Normally, you expect that sort of denouement thing to happen the very last episode, right? Or that the 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 again the, the second to last episode leaves us in the height of the battle, so we wonder how it will resolve. But we sort of had a, a breather to a degree where we got to see Sam and Bucky come together in a different sense. Now it's 
doing their own DIY show about boat construction. Right. <laughs> spinoff that we can have. Plus, I can watch Bucky hit on Sam's sister all freaking day. That was fantastic. That was excellent. Yes, excellent. And those nice little human moments of why didn't you use the metal arm? You know, sometimes I don't think about it. <laughs> I'm right-handed. <laughs> like, that was great. And, it was funny because that's what I thought too. I thought the same exact thing when he was doing that. I was like, why did he just use his metal arm? Yeah, exactly. But but it's so, you know, well constructed. And I felt like the John Walker episode or the John Walker portions of the episode, you know, in, in anybody else's hands, that would have been the end of it. But I feel this is just sending him deeper off the deep end. You know what I mean? Now we're seeing oh, yeah. strategically step by step how he's going to go more and more dark. We got our first post credit scene. Um, with him building his own shield. Uh, but the biggest the biggest thing of the episode, at least to me, is Elaine Bittis, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus as Madame Hydra out of fucking nowhere. How did you feel about that little cameo? So uh, let me ask you first. I know they talked about cameos. Did you hear beforehand anything about her? Or was this a complete surprise to you? Complete surprise to me. Yeah, me as well. So... Uh, yeah, when she started, I was like, who is this person going to be? Yeah, I had no idea. So uh, it's almost like she could be doing what we've kind of been talking about prior episodes. She could be creating her own Thunderbolts yeah. or her own Dark Avengers or what have you, you know, getting him on board uh, as far as that goes. And then she's clearly somebody powerful, you know, as far as that goes. And in the comics, you know, she's Fury's wife or I don't know if they were ever married, but certainly his love interest. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was just interesting to throw her in there. I mean, like it's, um, yeah, I know you said Elaine, that's how a lot of people know her uh, vice president, you know, that's a, yeah, it's v- really yeah. like, that's what they did. They got the vice president yeah. to come be Madam Hydra. I mean, that's, you know, I know it's Elaine from Seinfeld. That's what she's known for, but she's the vice president now is Madam Hydra. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's interesting too to point out the Veep connection uh, because I let me try to think about how how much of this I can say. Being that I'm in the film business, I do have some knowledge of other things Marvel coming down the pipe, right? Not intimate knowledge, but when you sometimes when you hear these things through the insider trades or whatever, and it's giving you a suggestion of what this is going to feel like. One of those things coming down, and I'm sorry, I'm being super vague. I don't know how else to describe it. Sure. But one of those things that's coming down the pipeline, they keep referring to it as think the show Veep. That's the feeling we're going for here um, with a future Marvel project. So that's cool. But another interesting thing too, I was watching uh, Kevin Smith has this uh, podcast, um, Fat Man Beyond, and he was talking about how he's finally gotten his wife to watch MCU products with One Division and now Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then the minute Julia Louis-Dreyfus showed up, he was like, that's how they're fucking hooking the people that aren't comic book nerds and it's Catherine Hahn and her. <laughs> like those yeah. are the connections they're gonna make. And I think she, you know, she's a marvelous actress. And and now since her appearance, all the chatter has been she's also in Black Widow, and we're going to see more of that character there. Uh, do you think she's the power broker, or do you think it is Sharon Carter, or do you think it's still yet an unseen force? 
I think that it's probably Sharon Carter. I just feel like that, especially I think this episode, maybe when she was on the phone with somebody, it just seemed like she's the power broker. It just, if it's not her, then what, what's going on with her? You know what I mean? Because it certainly seems like she's the power broker. And if it's not her, you're still going to have, there's going to have to be a big reveal about why, what is that red herring? Because right. we do have the moment where she's on the phone with Batroc the Leaper, right? Setting him up for right. something. But we also can say Batroc the Leaper has been hired by Nick Fury before. That's not an unheard of thing. So uh, I also saw online, not in any of the Sesame Street voiced places that Rob goes where he hears about spectral vision, but people that are reputable have said that maybe Sharon is a scroll. That's not actually her. Um, you know, a lot of sort of stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see how much they wrap up in this last episode. And if there's going to be a season two, predictions wise, what do you think we're going to get in this episode six? Well, if Rob was on here, his prediction would be it's going to be a three-hour episode. Yeah, a quick. It's going to be like <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's weird because again, like I mentioned, this almost seemed like an epilogue episode. So it's hard to even really say where this is going because I feel like a lot of this episode that we just saw not only is setting up this last episode, but it's setting up the MCU going forward. So I feel like with Zemo going with the Wakandans and they're mentioning the raft, you know, so, and then we've got Julia Weidreifus as far as that goes. I, again, I think she's going to be setting up Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers, which go to the raft, you know, get those super villains, you know, there. So I feel like a lot of the stuff they're setting up is for the future of the MCU and not necessarily for this show. So I just think for this show, there's going to be a showdown with the Flag Smashers, with Carly uh, and the U.S. agent, all Captain America, if you will. He'll be there. It'll just be a big throwdown between all of them. Uh, Carly may be killed, maybe, yeah. uh, possibly. I don't think that uh, Walker's going to get killed at all. I, I feel like he is such a good character, mm -hmm. and he can play such a pivotal role going forward, whether he is – an anti-hero going forward or a straight up villain going forward. Yeah. And uh, is it, have they announced this season two? I, or did I not hear that properly? I, I think there was I like a conversation about it, but I don't think there's been any official announcement about a season two as of yet. Gotcha. So if, even if they're having casual conversations about it, you know, I, I just feel like that uh, for one division, you could see how it's a contained story and it can be over and continue on in, Doctor Strange. Yeah. Where this, I could see this several seasons, the whole buddy cop aspect. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah, it was weird. And here's the thing, too, about one, like in comparing the two, one division, we always knew it was leading into Doctor Strange. We always knew where these characters would come up again, right? With Falcon and the Winter Soldier, my assumption is a season two, because like you said, it feels like they could go on countless adventures, right? And this is a good place for these characters to sort of get explored. But aside from that, I don't know in what movies they would be represented in. I agree about the John Walker not dying because he is, especially if you're establishing a Thunderbolts, he's a great character for that just in general. Um, and they've really done the heavy lifting sort of creating that character. Uh, I think obviously in the sixth episode, 
we're going to see what's in the box and it's going to be the the captain america falcon suit um with hopefully vibranium wings it's going to be badass um and yeah i think you're going to have a big showdown i i wonder if you're going to see isaiah show up again uh which would be awesome i doubt it but um it would be great if we did i also i I, i'm sort of shocked we didn't get a flashback of his experience uh as the young cap maybe that'll be somewhere down the road you could do an entire truth series and that would be i'm totally down for that um yeah i just i loved it i'm hooked i can't wait for the sixth episode I'm, i'm stoked about it it's it's just disappointing that it's the last episode. You know, it's just just six episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's disappointing we have to wait. We'll have the bad batch coming up, but then a whole month until Loki. You know, so that's but. You know what though? I did see on IMDb with the bad batch. It doesn't look like it's all dropping at once. Oh, so it'll it's be far, periodic. It has dates on IMDb, and it's like okay. May the fourth, and then every Friday after that. Oh, well, that's awesome. Then that'll sustain us and carry us over for a little while. But hopefully, we can try to convince old man pralgo at least to watch it for a little while Um, well i think that's why also he's not on this uh podcast he was all ready to go until you sent that last text with oh here's some extra trailers here's 15 more and he was like nah i can't i can't do it guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah i called him a second ago he's like oh yeah i'm doing laundry i was like okay i'm just gonna hang up the phone and go talk to my friend chad that's what i'm gonna do (laughs) Uh, not that laundry is not important, folks. We hear it not quite cool, even doing laundry. Um, but yeah, that, that's yes. so. So Falcon and Winter Soldier. Do you think in the last episode we will have a definitive answer about who the power broker is? I think that we have to. Okay. I just feel like it's just it's it's been like one of the lingering questions the entire time. I just I don't I don't feel it'd be satisfying if they didn't pay that off who the power broker is but you know there's unlike wandavision which was the whole show was like mystery 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 there's not a lot of mystery with this no but who's the power broker that's that's the question yeah that is so, and, yeah, and we need to find out there is a world where it is thunderbolt ross um which would still be satisfying i do feel there's a world where it's Al Pacino playing Mephisto, who's actually Quicksilver from the Fox universe. Um, <laughs> so we can see if that's... That. It's Jerry Seinfeld, and it's a reunion. What's with all these powers? Uh, <laughs> I, I feel you can get away with Jerry Seinfeld. You can't do Kramer, clearly, for obvious reasons. No. Um, so, but maybe, maybe it's just Michael Richardson, and that's where, after his career tanked here, after his racist rants, he had to go to Madripoor to try to do stand-up there. Maybe that's the whole subplot i don't know yeah he, i feel like he'd fit right in there yeah definitely uh with the stability <laughs> of the world well that is uh falcon and winter soldier um but that's not the only superhero show that uh came out this week uh we got our next episode i think it's our sixth episode of robert kirkman's invincible on amazon prime you being a superhero is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Now take me flying or I'm going to tell everyone you're invincible. Sorry, not sorry. So in this episode, we see uh, Invincible try to make things right with his maybe girlfriend. Uh, and they go visit a university when all hell breaks loose. Uh, I, and I totally want to hear your take on it. But I just want to say up front, 
the cast, the voice acting talents that they have in this show are just fucking phenomenal. You got Jar, uh, what's his name uh, from Frozen uh, is, is one of your main characters in this episode. You got Rick and Morty right there. Like, ugh, I loved it. I loved yeah. it. How, how did you feel about it? Yeah, the, the first thing right from the beginning, it was like, oh, it's awesome, Rick and Morty. Yeah. And uh, that character, the the Rick guy was playing, he reminded me of just like Rick if he was in college. I mean, I know he sounded like Rick a little bit. He was like drunk, trying to get with girls. Like that was what Rick was in college or whatever. It's so funny. Uh, this is a good episode. This episode kind of reminded me a lot, though, of old Buffy the Vampire Slayer episodes Very. in the sense that it was a monster of the week type deal. Uh, particularly the college episodes of Buffy where there was an underground organization kidnapping people, really bad guys, villains or whatever. Uh, so it definitely had a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. vibe to me, like in a good way, you yeah. know, as far as that goes. Uh, but this, this is what I'm going to say, though. If I'm a teenager and I'm hooking up with Zazie Beats and something that happens where she gets furious with me for leaving the scene of the crime or whatever, leaving them. My best friend knows now I'm a teenager. There's no doubt in my mind. I would be telling her the truth. I would I'd like, be like, look, she wouldn't be able to finish yelling at me before I would grab her and fly into the air just to say, Hey, yes. Doing. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm invincible. I know. Okay. You, you don't get mad at me anymore. Let's hook up some more. Yeah. You don't need to break up. There's no doubt in my mind that any red-blooded teenager would be telling her what's going on in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's not, Chad, he's That's not so a red-blooded funny. teenager. He's a red-blooded Vegemite or whatever they are. Half, you're right. He's a half Vegemite or whatever he is. Vol- Voltrulamite. Voltrulamite, <laughs> something like that. Uh. But, but I love, obviously, it's his story that we're, we're so invested in. Also, the robot story. But the the end with J.K. Simmons and Sandra Oh, the tension there, oh, the show just fires on all cylinders. I absolutely love it. I love everything it does. Also, bringing back John Hamm's stepson from the very first episode, it feels like it's been years since we've seen him. And then now something's going to be happening there. I just think the show is a complete hit for me. I, I love every moment of it. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, with the, the at the very end with the wife, it, I was like, what is about to happen here? It just didn't, I mean, again, that, that story's not over, but it was still like, oh, this cannot end well no. and that's, for that's the wife. Cool. What, what I think is so awesome about this show is there is this consistent feeling of dread. <laughs> like at the end of every yep. episode, you're like, it's just going to get worse, which is the antithesis of what Falcon and Winter Soldier provides for me. Falcon and Winter Soldier is like, yeah, I want to fucking have wings and a shield. It sounds like a great time. And then in right. Red, I'm like, oh God, oh God, please don't kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just brutal. I mean, like Invincible gets his ass beat in every episode. And it's not just like he gets beaten in the fight. He gets destroyed. Every fight. It's not just a casual beat down. It's brutal. It's yes. three men holding him down in a sewer and just destroying him. God. Like, like his best friend got more shots in on the bad guy, Ezra Miller, than Invincible got on anybody the whole episode. <laughs> Though that one punch just completely dislocated. Oh, oh so oh, looked amazing. Yeah, it looked amazing. 
Uh, so yeah, so if you're not watching Invincible, there's something fucking wrong with you because it's one of the best shows out there. Um, Absolutely. Anything else you want to say about Invincible or about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier before we go on? Nope, I'm good. Look how expedited the show is when <laughs> I told McGee's not here. We just flow through everything so quickly. Um, he would have talked about pissing five times already. He's be like, well, the acting theory of boy, and I could say, let me let me say this. Let me hop back on the Falcon and Winter Soldier. There is one thing that I disliked about Julia Louise Dreyfus appearance there i felt like there's something to be said for characters that don't let another person finish don't let another person talk you know or kanye west them um but there has to be this momentary that i can see if i'm going to comment about the fact that i see your loss with what i'm saying i have to have the time to register that i see your loss you know what i mean and i feel dreyfus they gave her a time limit and they were like you have 30 seconds to say all the dialogue go and so there was never any like beat of nuance or or recognition in her performance don't get me wrong the fact it was madam hydra and it was the vice president of bad dances from seinfeld won me the fuck over and carried me a long way but uh but but then again and this is another conjecture thing we were talking about how she was nick fury's lover the automatic assumption i'm making is that she's a bad guy but what if she's not a bad guy because there's plenty of time in the comics when she's not when she's just agent 14 you know right so so literally she can go either way it's a lot of interesting stuff can happen i'm excited about it yep same Awesome. Well, fuck all that bullshit. Let's talk about some trailers. We have quite a few trailers that we're going to be going through. The first one is refreshing because it's F9. That's right. Fast and the Furious 9. I don't have friends. I got family. So, directed by Justin Lin. Uh, the ninth film in the franchise uh, tells the story of Cypher, who enlists the help of Jacob, spelled with a K and no C, so that way you know he's stylish. Jacob happens to be Dom's <laughs> younger brother, and the intention is to take revenge on Dom and his team, also known as his family. Jacob is played by John Cena. We see the return of Vin Diesel, Ludacris, um, Michael Rooker's in this. Uh, Charlie Theron, Jordana Brewster, Michelle Rodriguez, Lucas Black, John Cena, Helen Mirren, uh, Sung Kang, um, Shad Moss, Tyrese Gibson, all of the Fast and the Furious crowd. Uh, Chad, how did you feel about this F9 trailer? So as far as the franchise goes, I love the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's just stupid fun. Yeah. I love it. Uh, this isn't about the Fast 9 trailer, but the Fast 8 trailer. When 8 came out, the trailer for eight. I remember calling Robin after I watched the trailer and I said, the trailer for fast eight is one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it wasn't, it was so good. And this, while it wasn't as good as like fast eight, it was still excellent. I mean, it was just yeah. craziness, you know, ludicrous, just saying what we're all thinking. Oh, they're doing magnets now. You know what I mean? It's like, We've done all this. We've done all this. I don't even want to talk about the submarine. It's like, yeah, it does not matter. I, I am 100% on board for this. It looks so much fun. The only thing is disappointing, and it's more real-life stuff, is the fact that Rock's not in it. Uh, he's great with that whole team. 
I get it. There could be some issues or whatever, but he's in the universe. Statham's not in it. But, I mean, at some point, you know, they're going to have a thousand people in it. So it's fine that he's not in it, but just a great show. It looks like they're in space at the end. You know what I mean? That rocket car thing. Looked into. Here's the thing. I I own all the Fast and the Furious movies. I have this nice special like edition box set that you can mash a button and the gas lights up and shit. Um, but I haven't seen all of them. Uh, and the I, I I know it was on sale for like a Black Friday, so I grabbed it and I'm like I'm gonna watch this one day. I haven't. Uh, but and the ones I have seen, I liked fine. Granted, I was probably high most of the time I was watching them, and so they're not like top quality films as much as they are i can't fucking believe they're doing this and so i have that weird relationship with the fast and the furious movies where i'm so fucking tired of hearing vin diesel talk about family but i also like seeing cars explode so i'm i'm there uh and john cena playing <laughs> vin diesel's little brother and their mom is helen mirren hurt no Yo, Helen Mirren is not the mom. She's okay, Statham's mom. She's, that makes so much more sense. Because going into this, I'm like, Helen Mirren is Vin Diesel's mom? That hurts my brain. John <laughs> Cena being his little brother hurts my brain enough, right? But I'll still watch it eventually because it's the magnets part was cool as shit. And then the truck flipping over. It looks amazing. For 10 minutes was cool. This yeah. is what I feel like with those movies. Honestly, I feel like when I was a little kid playing with Hot Wheels and I'm like, I'd love to make a movie like this. That's the movie that I would make as yeah. a seven-year-old. Yeah. And a seven-year-old wrote these movies and they're like, yeah, here's $3 million, $300 million. Put it on the screen. That's Every it. time that's like craziness. I would be more inclined to watch this movie opening day if that was the actual way these movies were created. <laughs> they got a seven-year-old. Like Vin Diesel just found a seven-year-old that was like, what do you want to see? <laughs> and that's what we saw. <laughs> but yeah, the trailer was super fun. Uh, I, I think you could skip the first 30 seconds because that's just sort of this weird, idyllic world that the fastest yes. has. And then car stuff. And that's all you need. I feel it's, it's the same as kaiju films. Some of the shit's going to be bullshit, and we understand that, but we'll eventually get to monsters. And that, that's all I need, I need, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, so, so there's Fast uh, 9. Uh, I, I am disappointed how Chad, who's the only person here, didn't really acknowledge how clever my F9 refreshing joke was. But that's... <laughs> but, uh, let's move right along with our next trailer. Uh, um, uh, released in May 21st, 2021, we have Zack Snyder's next flick, which is entitled Army of the Dead. What is this? It's a goddamn zombie tiger. That's crossing the line. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. A lot of trigger words for our current state of affairs now uh, within that section, but it stars Dave Batista, Tignataro. Um, I think there's the only Theo Rossi. Um, and those are probably the only people I recognize from the trailer. Um, how did you feel, except for a zombie tiger was pretty awesome. Uh, Chad, how did you feel about the trailer for Army of the Dead? So I thought this trailer would work much better 
if I didn't know what I was getting into. Because the first half of the trailer, setting up a normal straight up heist movie, little Kenny Rogers music, looks great. I want to see that movie, you know. And then it reveals that it's Vegas with zombies. If I didn't know that that was like the twist, I would have been like, oh, what? This is amazing. You know, it's a great idea. That being said, I'd still like this trailer. You know, I just wish I didn't know what it was about going into it. Now, again, we've already seen the teaser for Army of the Dead. We've talked about it on the podcast. This gave a lot more to the story. It didn't make sense the first time around about the whole money thing. Why are they trying to get money? Makes a lot more sense now, you know, of it's the world is still kind of the world and zombies are in it. Uh, yeah. Zombie tiger. The, the teaser trailer, I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. It's Zack Snyder zombie movie. This trailer was more, you know what? I'm probably going to watch it as soon as it premieres on Netflix now. Yeah. Same here. I, I, I like a lot of what's happening. I, I agree completely. Like if I would have, the title obviously gives it away. If I had no idea what the title was, had never seen the teaser, you could predator this to me. Uh, yep. Make me think it's one thing and then surprise me with the actual film. But Dust Till Dawn, something like that. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and I love Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I thought it was fantastic, but it does look like cinematically he's going to a different place than I'm used to him going to. Um, it, this didn't feel as blown out of proportion as his Justice League, which I know is your favorite of his films, or as um, <laughs> Batman versus Superman or 300 or something. It felt much more subdued. And that's hard to say in a movie about Las Vegas being run by zombies. But Overrun. <laughs> overrun, yeah. But I love the different interpretation of zombies that we have here where they're more like a tribal, you know, civilization, which was super cool. Um, and I love Batista. I think he's charming as fuck. So I'm all, I'm all on board for this. This sounds like a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Batista versus Cena. I'll take Batista every time. 100%. And that's not to necessarily insult Cena for me because I like Cena fine. I just right. has the charisma that Batista naturally has. I think Cena is the best part of the Bumblebee movie and I like that movie a lot. Um, but Batista is Drax. Batista is amazing in the Blade Runner movies. He's great in Stuber. Like, I just enjoy watching him. Yep. Um, even the shitty Bloodsport movie he did, he was great in it. Uh, so yeah, so there's that. Um Great. Well, then the next film that we have up on our list is a sequel, um, and that is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. You're going to tell us everything you know. I'm not telling you. I, on the other hand, will tell you everything. It's a super fun movie title, especially for people if they don't know how to do possessive apostrophes, are going to have a lot of a great time with it. <laughs> yes. um, so uh, it, it follows the story of the bodyguard Michael Bryce continues his friendship with assassin Darius Kincaid as they try to save Darius's wife, Sonia. This stars Sama Hayek, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Frank Grillo, Samuel L. Jackson, directed by uh, Patrick Hughes. Uh, who directed, I believe, the first one. Yeah, The Hitman's Bodyguard also directed The Expendables 3. Uh, that was, um, yeah, and this just looks like a lot of fun. Chad, how did you feel about the trailer for this one? Yeah, I, I agree. It looks like a lot of fun. Ryan Reynolds is being Ryan Reynolds, and 
he works every time being Ryan Reynolds. I mean, like that's the shtick that works for him. Keep going with it. It's it's great. His chemistry with Samuel Jackson in the first movie was excellent. It seems to be continued in this. And it also seems like that Selma Hayek uh, fits right in perfectly. I know she was in the first movie a little bit, but now she's actually with them and, you know, with the team. It just, it just seems like a lot of fun, the three of those uh, actors together. Yeah. And, and, like, and I'll be honest, I, I never saw the first one. Um, but seeing the trailer for this one makes me want to, um, just because this one looks like so much fun. And in addition, like it has some other great cast members that I didn't mention because I hadn't opened up the IMDb uh, thing yet, but it also has uh, Morgan Freeman's going to be in there, Antonio Banderas, Richard E. Grant. It's just a star studded fucking cast that just looks and I love Ryan Reynolds. I love Samuel L. Jackson. I was in a movie with Samuel L. Jackson and he punched me in the face for real. And Selma Hayek is going to be one of my crushes forever. She, oh, yeah. from dusk till dawn, I think made me hit puberty two more times than I should have. <laughs> she's so gorgeous, you know? Um, and she's an amazing actress. So I'm, I'm all on board uh, for this. Is the first one, do you think it's... Is it good? Does it warrant there being a sequel? Yeah, I think the fact, I, I really think that maybe the story's not that great, but the chemistry between the two okay. and the idea of the hitman's bodyguard, it's very clever. You know what it's about already, yeah. you know? So uh, it works from start to finish. And it's again, it's Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. So they, Soma Hayek was in the movie, the first movie but more like in a cameo role, okay. almost demanding a bigger role. Awesome. So it's no surprise to me that that's what this one is. Yeah. Because she was, it, it, I mean, I don't mean it, but she's like the breakout star of that movie, even though she's been in a thousand movies, but she's the one you want to see over Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson in that movie. Her character is just so great. And that, that's saying a lot. I mean, just because... Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson talk about actors that have just, you know, palpable charisma that it's impossible to ignore how, how much a camera loves them, how, how well they are at crafting the characters, you know? Um, so yeah. And plus it looks like fun action and, and a lot of screaming and, and, and being mad at each other. So I'm totally, it just reminds me of Thanksgiving with my folks. So I'm super excited about it. With or without the guns? Do you have guns with your folks? Oh, well, I grew up in Waleski, Georgia. So a lot of guns. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well, moving on, um, since, you know, all three of those people are, are Marvel superheroes, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury, um, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, obviously, and Salma Hayek will be in the upcoming Eternals film. Let's go to that Marvel side of the universe with our next trailer, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. You can't outrun who you really are. Who are you? This film is expected to be released September 3rd, 2021, and it follows uh, the adventures 
of the Marvel comic book hero Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. Um, originally, Shang-Chi was, uh, let's say, he had a complicated origin in the comic books. He was originally the son of Fu Manchu, a character created in the, the Yellow Peril history uh, of literature uh, by Sax Romer. That's since been revised in this upcoming version. Uh, his father will now be the Mandarin, the legendary foe of Iron Man and one of the most manipulative villains within the Marvel world. Uh, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, who also directed the films Just Mercy, The Glass Castle, Short Term 12, I Am Not a Hipster. Um, and it stars um, Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, Aquafina, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Florian Munto as um, Razor Fist, uh, Tony Chu Wai Lung, um, an amazing cast, an ethnically diverse cast. This is our first glimpse at this film that obviously takes influences from Enter the Dragon, um, a lot of other martial arts and wuxia types of films. Chad, how did you feel about the first trailer for Shang-Chi? So, you know, as far as Kung Fu movies go, they didn't really like move the meter for me. I didn't, even as a kid, I didn't grow up like loving Kung Fu movies. They were fine. So, and as far as Shang-Chi goes, even though I'm a Marvel zombie, I don't really know much about him at all. Like I could probably count on one hand the amount of comics that I've read about him. I don't really know anything about him. So this, it's the MCU. I'm super excited for it. I'm going to watch it. This trailer, though, did not sway me one way or the other. It didn't make me more or any less pumped to see the movie. Yeah. It was just, it was there. The, the fighting looked great. You know, don't get me wrong. The, the fighting looked incredible. It was, and I like Aquafina too. It was funny at the, the very beginning, like maybe the first, you know, 20 seconds, it seemed like a rom-com, you know, with... Uh, all the quick shots of them yeah yeah exactly it was like they're just having a good time they're loving each other falling in love definitely sound like a rom-com i didn't see anything that uh really linked it to the mcu other than the end where the 10 rings of the mandarin you know so just because i know it's a part of the mcu but if i didn't know this was a part of the mcu and i was watching this trailer completely separate i'd be like yeah okay so yeah it, it was really didn't didn't do much for me that's, you know, I feel that every person has the chance to disappoint me once in their lives and you've taken yours. So <laughs> I'm going to give you 10 years of your life to, to live that down. To me, uh, I love martial arts stuff. Um, my mother taught martial arts uh, for a long time and she taught JKD, which was Bruce Lee's style. So I grew up sort of surrounded by that knowledge and that world. Um, and this felt like bringing that to a modern age for me. Um, and it also felt like it was doing it in interesting ways. Like uh, the Shang-Chi character, I am, I'm, I'm remotely familiar with the comics, especially the early ones where it featured Fu Manchu, was a boy bred to be a king who turns his back on his father because one day he wakes up and realizes his father isn't who he thought he was, right? And I feel like that's a powerful place to go and and it's slightly different than any other texture we've had in the mcu so far you could argue that you have a little bit of that with thor and odin but even then i feel like odin is sort of he's never outright villainous the mandarin is a villain unquestionably you know and, and so to have that the prince 
they, you know, um, the prodigal son comes home uh, to this big martial arts tournament being held by his father who was trying to dominate the world. That's fun. That's great. I, I love the score. I, I love the way it looked. I love the martial arts motion. It was digging. Razor Fist is a shitty D-level comic book character that cannot go to the bathroom by himself. And I'm so excited to see him in a movie, you know? Like, and just to have that ridiculousness uh, that Shang-Chi in the 70s sort of offered as a comic uh, read, I'm stoked about it. Plus, I feel that that diversity that it's offering can give us more texture to the MCU as a whole. The rumor is that this film takes place during the blip. So during those five years while everyone is gone. Um, okay. So it'd be interesting to see how it fleshes all of that out. Um, yeah. So I, I'm sorry that you, your heart stopped working while you watched <laughs> it. Eyes with the goodness of it. <laughs> like I said, I'm going to see it opening night. There's no doubt. Any MC, MCU movie, I don't need to see any trailers. Like They've proved to me. I don't care who the character is, what it is. I, you know, I don't know if this is going to make you mad. I was not a fan of Doctor Strange in the comic books. So, really, it's Doctor Strange is too abstracted out there. Where I'm reading it, I'm like, what? I don't even know what's going on. I don't know the rules of his magic. And so, but the, the movie was incredible. Yeah, I, I love the movie. Yeah. So again, I don't even know anything about this character really, but I'm hundred percent on board. Here's the thing, too. I feel like in recent years, there's been this effort to make Shang-Chi's character fit into the Marvel world of the comics a little bit better by giving him superpowers, where before he didn't have any, he was just a really fucking good martial artist. He was Bruce Lee, basically. He was Bruce Lee. A thinly veiled Bruce Lee. But now, right. like this, he has replication powers like Jamie Maddox which I think is dumb. Um, and I hope they don't do that. Uh, or if they do, it's like, they do the equivalency of that as Galactus is a cloud sort of thing, where it's like, oh, I could see how you could kind of interpret that as that, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I'm stoked about it. And I think Marvel hasn't really led me astray. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm pumped about to see what happens and who all gets their ass kicked. And plus I feel that, that the it seems like the storyline is he goes back to, whatever um, the Mandarin's home is, and there's going to be a tournament there, that the Mandarin story itself is going to span centuries because we saw a bunch of ancient Chinese battles. We saw, um, they, they look like neon dra uh, neon dragons, uh, spelled N-I-A-N, not N-E-O-N, which would sound like a cool band name, or uh, foo dogs, which are these ancient Chinese Buddhist creatures. Those were the big fluffy things we were seeing fighting. Um, so that looks like it's sort of an antiquity, and we come back there for this modern tournament, very akin to something that will be happening Friday on HBO Max. But that gives us a chance to have cool cameos of other MCU martial artists. And hopefully we'll get to see that happen. Um, but yeah, at this point, I'm just ranting about how much I like Shang-Chi. I'll move on since I'm the only one here that fucking loves Shang-Chi. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of HBO Max, you know, Mortal Kombat this Friday. I, I don't know if Rob's going to watch it, but... I'm planning on watching it so we can talk about it next week. Okay. Mortal Kombat. They released the first seven minutes. Did you watch that by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to make that joke because uh, I'm not going to watch a clip 
<laughs> of the first seven minutes. I'll just wait till the whole damn movie comes yeah, out. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Too. Then I'll see those seven minutes along <laughs> the rest of the movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm so stoked about Mortal Kombat. I can't wait. Um, yeah. Another movie that has my interest perk. Let's not say I'm stoked about it yet, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> Did it give you chills? That's the question. Give me chills, yeah. Um, the next film I want to talk about, uh, I'm going to try to say the original title just because I want to challenge myself. Rets Far Decayed and Retair. I fucked that. Never mind. I butchered that. Uh, coming out on May 21st, 2021, Writers of Justice. Are you still here? No. I didn't get past. Montag. Ja, Markus Hansen. Mit navn er Otto Hoffmann, og det er Lennart. Jeg var med samme tog som din kone og datter. Hvad ved Jeg synes, du har krav på at vide, at det ikke var en ulykke. Directed by Anders Thomas Jensen, Marcus, who has to go home to his teenage daughter Matilda when his wife dies in a tragic train accident. It seems like an accident, at least, until a mathematics geek, who was also a fellow passenger on the train, and his two colleagues show up to question the story that is being presented. Um, so Mads Mikkelsen is the star of this film. It looks like he's playing some sort of military character. He looks buff as fuck. And it looks like a revenge, what did you do to my wife sort of story. How did you feel about this trailer? Mads looked cool as hell in this movie. When I, I knew he was in the movie because, you know, when I clicked on the YouTube thing, it was like Mads Mikkelsen, you know, movie or whatever. But the very first shot of him, I didn't even recognize that it was him. It was like the second shot, maybe like his profile. I was like, oh, that that's, he looks awesome in this movie. He looks terrifying. He's you know, terrifying. Yeah, you would not want to mess with this dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was like scary in Casino Royale. But in this, you know, take it to 11. I mean, wow, he was terrifying in this movie. Uh, that was, I mean, it, it looked interesting. It, it looked similar to like other movies, you know, as far as revenge type, type stories, you know, as far as that goes. Um, it was interesting. What's funny to me, though, is how you said you were going to try to pronounce it by the name. In the trailer, though, it's another language, but they do they say writers of justice in yeah. the trailer. Straight up. They don't they don't say it with their original language. Yeah. I always think that's funny in movies when they're like, you know, I can't speak another language. This is gonna sound horrible, but it's like writers of justice. You know, I mean, like that's just so funny to me <laughs> when I hear that. They did that several times. So when you said I'm gonna try to pronounce it, I was like, they didn't even try to pronounce it in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> no yeah I, I agree completely um so to me this trailer was very interesting because it looked it, it seemed to be an intense sort of death wish-esque revenge thing but i found myself laughing a lot at just the quirkiness of the trailer of like yep. I'm really good at putting things together. <laughs> like, oh, I got second place. There's the trigger pointing at his face. Yeah, it's pointing right at him. Yeah, uh, we get it. It's easy for you. Yes, it's very easy for me. Like, there was just a lot of, like, clever comedy in it. It felt like 
Matt Mickelson was Fox Mulder hanging out with the lone gunman. Like that's <laughs> right. what the movie felt like to me. But again, he looked like his shoulders were the size of a fucking couch. So I'm all on board for seeing that and what exactly he does. Um, yeah, I'm pumped. Yes. Yeah, it looks good. It looks pretty cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's move right along. I, I threw like 19 trailers uh, at uh, Chad right before we went on air. So um, I say on air, like people are listening to this live. I don't yeah, know. Live. Maybe which, no, which is live a couple minutes late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the next film is uh, a video game adaptation. I don't think I've ever actually played the video game, but I just saw the trailer dropped a little while ago and I'm kind of excited about it. And that is the film Werewolves Within. heart neath the silence hi boys this is a community one that agrees about more than it doesn't <laughs> put it on your kwanzaa tree no such thing y'all believe like hard work <laughs> love and the moonlight being a good neighbor adaptation of the video game where werewolves attack a small town directed by josh rubin who also directed the film scare me um which stars um uh, uh what's her name on anya cash or something like that the uh, yeah yes uh, i think it's anya cash i i cash i cash right yeah um who's just an amazing actress uh this film itself stars cheyenne jackson and sam richardson who i, I got to work with um for about a year uh, on a film called The Tomorrow War. Um, uh, he's a great, awesome, awesome guy, uh, comedian, actor, just super accomplished. Um, and this tells the story about werewolves. He's a sheriff in a small town. Uh, anybody in this town could be the werewolf. Paranoia strikes, horror strikes. And since Chad boldly believes there's so many good werewolf films out there, Chad, how did you feel about this trailer? You know, Maybe the comedic route's the way to go. This could be the one. Maybe. This could be it. I mean, it looked fun. Gotta say, I know it didn't show this exactly, but it's pretty bold to kill a dog in the trailer. Amen. Not, I'm not saying that that's what happened, but it certainly seemed that way. So you killed the dog in the trailer. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it looked, it looked like it might be funny. Uh, but before we go any further, because we're talking about the wearables movies that I don't like, I never watched that one that you said was pretty good, Late Phases. Yeah. So I did watch that uh, over the week. I still stand by what oh. I said. <laughs> you didn't enjoy it at all? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was fine. It wasn't, I, I would not watch that and be like, man, that was a good werewolf movie. No, <laughs> it was, it was fine. I just felt like the, the thing that I enjoy about Late Phases is not the werewolf component of it. I enjoy the human component of it. So maybe it is difficult to find where that werewolf component is just spot on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I thought the, the transformation was pretty good in, yeah. um, in late phases. But I feel like nowadays, the transformation better be good yeah. in a werewolf movie. That's like the least of your concerns. That, that's a given. It's got to be good. Yeah. Make the other stuff good too. So 
uh, I just felt like that the the main character was not very likable. And I know main character doesn't have to be likable. And I get what they were going for, but yeah, I, I just felt like there are many other things that. So you know, he's walking around his house counting his steps. Why not just keep the gun on you, maybe instead of like counting eighteen steps so that I can get the gun if the werewolf shows up. And then when he's walking around counting steps, he's like, I'm five steps away from this light. And he turns the light on. Why do you ever have the light on? Why do you ever need the light on? Like you would think that would be an advantage to anybody coming to attack you. You leave the lights off. (laughs) But they're werewolves. So I feel like they don't need the light on to kill you. You know what I mean? They, They don't. They don't necessarily need the light on. But you certainly don't need the light on. And if I'm fighting a werewolf, if I'm thinking even for a split second, maybe, just maybe that'll give me a little bit of an advantage, then I'm going to have my light off. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I totally support your decision to have a light off, but I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was super. I mean, I get it from like a a movie standpoint. Light's got to be on so you can see what's going on. Yeah. But I just, when he, he he's turning lamps on. I was like, why is he turning lamps on? I don't, I don't get this. So anyway, whatever. I stand by. There's not really a great werewolf movie. We'll see if werewolves within will change my mind. You're saying the trailer for werewolves within did not give you chills. You're not, you're not holding out hope for this one. No, but I did think like, well, you know, if they go super funny with it, then yeah. Like if it's Shaun of the Dead, but werewolves. Yeah. Maybe. It was more like a knives out comedy with werewolves is what it reminded me of. Like that was the feel I got of it. And I didn't really know it was a video game. I looked at the thing. Um, but it, it was almost like a, really what it reminded me of was like picket fences, yeah. but with werewolves in the town. The town was quirky. Everybody was like weird-ish, had their own little thing going on. Uh, oh yeah, and there's werewolves here. So yeah, could be. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Picket fences in 20 years at least. I, 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 wonder, I can pull some obscure re- references, that's for sure. I remember my dad used to watch Picket Fences and Silk Stockings were his two shows all the fucking time. So, Picket Fences. Th- those are very different shows, I feel like. Very drastic. But I don't really remember if Picket Fences is that different. Because I don't remember the tone of Picket Fences. I just remember Behringer. Was that the guy that was in it with the mustache? Who Tom Skerritt, I believe. Tom Skerritt. Yeah, Tom Skerritt. Yeah. Um, and then who is the female in that? The female lead. I don't remember who the female the from, Go, uh, from Dumb and Dumb, if I'm not mistaken. From the first one. Oh, yeah, you might be right. I'm going to look that up right now. We're going to do Yeah, you're right. I, I can't remember her name, the redhead, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm certain that's who it is now that you said that. Yeah, me too. Uh, the Lauren Holly. Yep. Yep. She was in it. So that's our review for Werewolves Within. This yeah, not a whole lot to talk about with Werewolves Within. <laughs> um, there's going to be some werewolves within this movie. We assume. Uh, I like the guys. The guy directed it. Scare me is pretty good. I enjoyed that thoroughly. And Sam is hilarious. But Sam is also in the next thing we're going to talk about, which is another television series. Uh, this one brought to us by Marvel, um, and that is. Modoc. <laughs> they called me Big Head. One day, that big, beautiful, womb-wrecking head of yours is going to change the world. world. 
time to change the world by bringing it to its knees. Attack! The future is MODOK! MODOK! And do you know what MODOK stands for? Mental organism designed only for killing. For killing. Uh, MODOK tells the story of supervillain MODOK is forced to sell AIM to the tech company Grumble. As he struggles to regain control of AIM, he risks losing something even more important, his family. With the voice talents of Nathan Phil, Nathan, not Nathan, Nathan Fillion, Whoopi Goldberg, Bill Hader, John Hamm as Iron Man, John Daly as the Super Adaptoid, uh, Patton Oswalt as Modoc, Sam Richardson, who we just mentioned as Gary, and Ben Schwartz as Lou. It looks like a robot chicken sort of animation style, um, and it's really taking the piss out of Modoc, but it looks like a lot of fun to me. Uh, Chad, how did you feel about it? It's funny. I don't know if you ever read any of those shorts I wrote uh, about the supervillain family. And I think I they basically, yeah, yeah, where they basically the the gist of it was they worked for a suit like a Hydra or an AIM. Yeah. But it was all about their home life, and it was just you know the comedy was just their home life. There wasn't any you know lasers or superheroes in the show. Yeah. So definitely something like Modoc taking out the trash, you know, things like that, that he always arguing with his wife and he's got the two kids talking about divorce and things like that. It definitely reminded me of those shorts that I had written about the super, you know, villain family. So I was like, damn it. You know, <laughs> I love that. This, but it looked funny. The Stan Lee creation, uh, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby creation. <laughs> Chad's like, this reminds me of something I have written. <laughs> 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 I don't recall Stanley doing it in that quite way, I believe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think it looks like a lot of fun. I think it, it fits into, and again, I think Marvel is so smart to, I mean, I, this isn't MCU by any means, I don't think, but to sort of try to fill out every genre possible. Hey, Rick and Morty's popular. Let's do a cartoon like that. Uh, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, it makes me think I can't wait till there's an MCU stoner comedy film. I don't know what property it would be, but I'm super no, excited. I, I got to think about that. I, I spent like all of last night thinking about it because it was 420. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, but I, I'm, I'm totally sold for this. Plus, it'll be a fun way. Nathan Fillion's playing Wonder Man which seems like we've been promised that for 19 years. So I'm excited it's happening here. Right. Uh, just a lot of fun characters and a lot of fun stuff to happen. Um, so I I'm pumped about this. Plus it'll be on uh, Hulu and I have that subscription. So that's all that matters to me. And therefore Rob also has that subscription. Unfortunately, uh, Rob has unfortunately <laughs> everything I have. Uh, <laughs> so let's go ahead and take a look at the next film on our list. Uh, the next trailer is for a film entitled Annette. First time I fell in love. Woke up next to the girl. And escaped fast and far. The man has changed me. What I see in her is obvious. What she sees in me is... It's a little more puzzling. Now, Annette is an upcoming musical film directed and co-written by Leo Carra, 
Um, this is his English language debut film. It's written by Ron Mayle and Russell Mayle of the band Sparks from an original story by the band. And it stars Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. Uh, it tells the story of a provocative stand-up comedian and his wife, a world-famous soprano, and when their glamorous life takes an unexpected turn as their daughter Annette is born a girl with a unique gift. That being said, I read all that from the description because I had no idea about any of that shit from the trailer whatsoever. Um, Chad, how did you feel about the trailer for Annette? Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. After I watched the trailer, I was like, what is this even about? I don't understand. I don't get it. I like both the leads in general. But I couldn't tell you what this, this was not a trailer that made me want to watch the movie. So it definitely did not succeed in that. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Mother in the sense that I didn't know what was going on with Mother yeah. as well. And uh, I know it's different directors, but I didn't like Mother. So I, since I had that vibe from this, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. So yeah, th this one did nothing for me. This one to me... Um... You know, I like the trailer because it was super stylized and I'm always interested in what Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard are going to do because I think they make interesting and compelling choices. Um, but it, it reminded me of like a cynical eight and a half, which I think eight and a half is already pretty cynical, but um, it felt very glamorous. It felt very facade driven. And, and none of what I saw in the trailer matches with the plot description I just read in my mind. Like at times I thought right. Driver was a stalker. At times I thought he was a singer. I had no fucking idea what was going on, but it was really pretty to look at, um, which I feel is also the same feeling I have with most of the girls I date. Don't know what's going on, but they're very pretty to look at. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'll probably get around to watching it just because I like to be that artsy-fartsy sort of guy. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, so you don't think you think you're going to pass on this one? Yeah, most assuredly. Unless, like, <laughs> again, it gets nominated for Best Picture or something crazy. Yeah. I think it'll probably be nominated for something. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it was something, something. I'm talking about it's got to be nominated for an Oscar Best Picture. Like, Golden Globe, Best, P Best Comedy Musical. It's not going to do it for me. Sorry. But, yes, sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you brought it up. At least it wasn't a clip. I'm trying to do better. Uh, okay. I'd almost rather watch a clip. <laughs> you know, if we watched a clip of that movie, it might actually tell us what was going on. That's all I'm saying. But I also feel like it would be even weirder. Like, I feel like that movie, it looks to me like it's going to be one of those movies where if you watch one clip out of context, you will hate yourself for a week because you won't understand what has happened. I feel like Mother's the same way. Think about Mother in the same way. Yeah. Mother, mother is the same. Like, what? I saw Mother opening day in a theater in Tucker, Georgia, which was not the most <laughs> appropriate place to see that movie. Yeah. I'm surprised it was even on a theater there. Yeah. And there were like four people in the theater, and I was one of them, clearly. Somebody in the audience really enjoyed it. And it was like this old man who looked like he was a Vietnam vet who at the end of the movie stayed throughout the entire thing, throughout the credits as everyone's trying to process it. And then if the lights go back up, he stands up and goes, what the goddamn hell was that about? And just walks out. I was like, thank you for holding it in long enough, though, man. 
Yeah, he didn't want to like mess up anyone else's viewing of the credits. Yeah. <laughs> did uh, Did you ever watch uh, the movie uh, We Are Marshall with McConaughey yeah. and Fox? So you know the whole thing is they you know they say We Are Marshall, right? Yeah. So I went to the movies to watch that. The trailer is you know when, not a trailer when the movie's over and the credits are rolling. Somebody in the theater, I'm not kidding, stands up and says, "We are." No one said anything. <laughs> no one said. No one replied. No one said Marshall. <laughs> it's like embarrassing, and that was not me that said we are. Just so we're clear on this story. Really? Yeah. It was no one that I was with or would admit to being with. I they said we are. No one said Marshall. I love that this guy was so moved by it. He's like. Oh, everyone's feeling this now. Oh, yeah, exactly. A response from this. It's like in Avengers when uh, you see Captain America pick up the, you know, Thor's hammer. If you start that clap, you're the man. 100%. I, I will say like there are times in movie theaters where I've, I've experienced that, uh, you know, we all scream when they scream sort of thing. I remember when um, in, in Avengers Infinity War, uh, when they get to Wakanda and everybody starts cheering, you know, the whatever the war cries are, everyone in the theater was cheering those war cries with them. You know what I mean? Um, right. Because it was such a, or, or every, I think I watched Endgame like five times in the theaters and every time Cap gets Mjolnir, everyone fucking loses their shit, no matter how many times they've seen it, because it is one of the most uplifting things in cinematic history. Never really thought about screaming "We are Marshall," though. Yeah. On that point, <laughs> I, I was like, "Did that guy go to Marshall?" Like, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, maybe he actually is Marshall. Uh, that's his name. But he's like, <laughs> he was made for me. Um, <laughs> well, that's great. Now I just miss going to theaters. But maybe I'll be able to go to theaters. Mm-hmm. I won't for this because it's a Netflix release. Releasing on May 12, 2021 is our next film. And that is entitled Oxygen. Uh, tells the story of a woman who wakes up in a cryogenic chamber with no recollection of how she got there and must find a way out before running out of air. It's directed by Alexandra Aja, who uh, is a French director who also directed the films Crawl, um, the American movie uh, Horns, starring Daniel Radcliffe, Piranha 3D, Mirrors, uh, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, the original High Tension, and he has a new movie coming out called Space Adventure Cobra, which sounds amazing as balls, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, this film stars Melanie Leron um, and uh, other people, but I don't know how to say their names. Uh, yeah, so this movie Oxygen, it kind of looks like Buried, starring Ryan Reynolds, but in a more sci-fi sort of setting. Uh, how did you feel about it, Chad? I'm just surprised you didn't try to pronounce oxygen in oxygen. French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's oxygen, right? I don't know. Uh, I couldn't tell you. But uh, yeah, it definitely reminded me of Buried, you know, with Ryan Reynolds. Absolutely. Just in that sci-fi setting. Yeah. So, uh, I saw Crawl. I, I like Crawl that he did. It, it was nice. Uh, you know, it was a pretty good monster movie. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so 
I'm interested in what this guy does. Uh, the lead actress, you know, from *Inglorious Bastards*, she was amazing in *Inglorious Bastards*. So she's definitely got the acting chops to pull off a movie that could technically just be her ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time, freaking out in an enclosed space. Yeah. So, uh, unlike *Married*, I feel like there's a lot more they can do with it, though, with the sci-fi element, because she's got somebody. I know he's talking on the phone with somebody in *Married*, but like she has access to a lot more just being in that cryogenic chamber or whatever that was, you know? So uh, it could be interesting. Um, that this is kind of the, like on the fence. I just have to kind of see, you know, maybe see some more or late one night if I'm perusing Netflix, I may be like, yeah, let's check this out. Yeah. I'll have to say like, I like this, this director's films. I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of the stuff I've seen of his. Um, I love, I liked crawl a lot. I thought it was super fun. Horns was great. Piranha 3D was not meant to be good, but it still somehow was. Mirrors was kind of a stinker with a key for Sutherland. I like his Hills Have Eyes. High Tension, I know, was a very, um, very controversial film for a lot of reasons, but I, I really love it. I, I, I saw it in theaters when it first came out. Um, and this looks interesting, it, it, especially since it seems like, you know, I feel like Netflix, when they have their foreign acquisitions, they don't necessarily try to sell them to the American audience in a big, bad way, unless there's something to be said about this movie. You know what I mean? Because there's the same, we have 52 new Netflix films coming out this year, right? But every country has, you know, there's 52 Spanish, new Spanish Netflix films as well coming out. And those aren't necessarily being promoted on the same docket, you know? Um, but the fact that this one is one of the ones they're bringing in, I, you know, I thought the movie looked like it was very suspenseful look like look like there was a cool mystery behind it she's an amazing actress i'm on board i'll watch this again i probably won't be rushing out to the theater uh because it's not going to be there it'll be on netflix chad and that and they don't show netflix movies in theaters a lot so they do something though they, i think army of the I dead. think army of the dead said that yeah uh, which was cool and i wonder is it like are you trying to go for the oscar with army of the dead zack snyder is that what your plan is i don't what I thought was special effects, editing, whatever. That's what they're going for with the Oscar. Yeah. That's that's when I saw that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'll check this out. This looks pretty fun to me. Um, what was, out of everything we just discussed, what was your favorite, your trailer of the week? Chad Dowdy's pick. I'm telling you, it's the first one. Fast Nine. That's just. Really? That. It's, I'm tell, it's just because it's a part of the franchise too. It's just insanity that I suspend my disbelief wholeheartedly for those movies. I am a kid again watching these Fast and the Furious movies. It's insane and ridiculous. I love every freaking second of it. Oh, that's I watch Fast 20. Keep them coming. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I think my pick of the week is going to be either – Writers of Justice was a fun trailer. It was it was enjoyable, but I think it's going to be Shang-Chi just because somebody has to show love to it on the podcast since the other one of us won't. So, Well, I will say that Shang-Chi will probably be the best movie out of all of these. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as trailers go, you know. F9. 
so refreshing. I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> uh, so before we close out, there is a, a few things that we have to talk about. There's a, there's a few news items, uh, two news, news items that I'm aware of. Um, so let's get ready for some news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. The first bit uh, has to go back with the MCU. There's been some casting reported for the upcoming Secret Invasion show, and that is that Amelia Clark will be joining the cast of Secret Invasion, along with Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, no word as of yet about who she'll be playing, but how do you feel about, what is her name, Khaleesi joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, Khaleesi, Daenerys, she has like 18 names in the show. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Bring, bring her on the Secret, Secret Invasion. I told you, you know, I've said this before. I can't remember if I said it on the podcast, though. I'm a little disappointed that Secret Invasion is a show and not a movie. It's one of my favorite um, Marvel events yeah. is Secret Invasion. Uh, and what makes it so good is, you know, they can't trust anybody. You know, Elektra is a scroll. Um, I can't remember if Ant-Man, but there's so many people that are, you know, everyone's a scroll uh, or could be a scroll. And it's major players that are scrolls in the event, the Marvel Comics event. So that's not going to be the case with Secret Invasion. You know, you're not going to have, uh, you know, Thor showing up being a scroll because it's the TV show. Where if it was a movie, anyone could be a scroll, and it'd be pretty amazing. That being said, that doesn't mean this this series is not going to be good. The the fact that it is a series means you can stretch it out more. You yeah. know, and it, you know that part. I think it's going to be better. The fact that it's a series, the part that I don't like about it is there's not going to be big, huge. I mean, Nick Fury, he's huge, but in general, you're not going to have a lot of the big names on the show. I feel that to me, secret invasion should have been a big event the same way the infinity war was right. It's one of those things you can build up to. And, And I think the only thing that disappoints me about it being a show, because I, I think, I think Marvel's proven that they can sustain interest and quality with these two shows they've released so far. But it's that the ramifications going forward after the show won't be as large as if it were a film. You know what I mean? Um, I feel nothing in the MCU shows is ever really going to push the dial to extreme. You're never going to have everyone gets dusted, you know, in the TV shows. In the films, you can make those big leaps and those big motions. Um, and I feel this right. um, so, but that's just my my uh, thought. But I think it'd be badass if Amelia Clark was playing the Super Scroll. Just fuck it, make it a make it make it a girl. That'd be awesome as shit. Yeah, um, that'd be super fun. She'll be a scroll of some sort. She oh, still yeah. could be playing another MCU character, but yeah. then also be a scroll. So yeah. Yeah, be, absolutely, make her Mockingbird. That'd be fantastic. We haven't seen. I know we've seen the. Oh well, yeah. That, that's going to be a little not difficult, but uh, tricky in the sense that Hawkeye's already married, yeah, and Mockingbird has been introduced in Agents of Shield, so Rob would probably have a coronary if they <laughs> did something against Agents of Shield. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Agents of Shield they fully they fully stated now that's not canon. We're not doing that. This is. Let's get away from some of the Joss Whedon stuff. Now, we're not going to mention Ultron anymore. Like, we're just going to go this way. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, 
But the second uh, news item is also within the world of MCU. Uh, last week, we reported that Sony has made a deal with Netflix to distribute the Sony Spider-Man properties. Um, that's what they'll be shown as the VOD sort of uh, resources and stuff like that. But now it's come out that's a two-part deal. The first, the films will come out in theaters, then they will go to Netflix for a period of time before reverting back to Disney+. Plus. Uh, so Spider-Man and the Spider-Man world will be coming to Disney+, Plus to make a full Marvel cinematic viewing option, which I think is fucking awesome. I think that's great. Well, I think Rob's been talked off the ledge then now because he was furious about this. Yeah. I think this now is that it will be... happen. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because of the podcast? And I think so. Rob's fury? We're going to say it is. We're going to say that Rob's dad, our only listener, called someone and they said, yeah. we have to do something about this. Yeah. So we're like the release the Snyder Cut people, but with. <laughs> The Spider-Man universe on Disney Plus. Release like, the I don't even know what the hashtag would be. It's like hashtag get Spider-Man universe off Netflix. Put it back on Disney Plus. Yeah, rolls right off the tongue, right? Easily, yeah, it's great. I don't know where the punctuation goes, but still, it'll be great. Uh, it's a hashtag. There's no punctuations. You don't know about Twitter. I forgot. Yes, no punctuations. No spaces. It's hard to even read what it says sometimes. Oh, hashtag release the Snyder Cut, no spaces. Oh, okay. I want to have a hashtag that has hashtag no spaces. I don't know what it's in support of, but maybe no more <laughs> space ventures or something. Yeah, like don't stop NASA. You're you don't like NASA. Fuck off, NASA. No spaces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's all the news I got. You got anything? I don't have any news, but I want to ask your opinion on this since you made fun of my uh, Modoc. Uh, Stanley's still in my story. So with the Modoc thing, how you said that, uh, you know, Stanley created it first. Fine, I'll concede that. Mm-hmm. You know, he created that before my little short that I did. But so I just need to know if you think Joss Whedon stole this. Okay, so when I was uh, younger, Wizard used to have conventions, comic book conventions. You know that magazine, Wizard, right? I loved that magazine. So, oh, I loved it. I'd read it cover to cover. I didn't care what the article was about. Same here. So they had a contest where you made a short film, and if you won, they flew you to one of their comic cons or whatever. Awesome. And so I was a kid. I made a short. When I say a kid, I was a teenager, and I made a short uh, with some buddies. And when I say made it short, it's not like the, the way you guys do it. It was like a handheld camera. We didn't have a lighting guy. You know what I mean? I was a teenager. There was no professionalism to this whatsoever. Yeah. I wrote a script. Well, about, apparently there's no professionalism to Joss Whedon either. So is that what he stole from you? Well, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Maybe. Nice. So with, uh, so I wrote a script and it was about these guys that wanted to get on but they didn't have any money so it was like what they were just trying to get to comic con any way possible basically and it was just a comedy whatever the short and at one point in the film a bully comes up to them and takes uh wants them to do something and he takes an action figure that they have and it's a the action figure is a limited edition boba fett and he's acting like he's going to destroy it to get them to do what they want to do okay do the short, we, I send it in. 
I forgot to mention that the whole thing about this contest said Josh Whedon is the judge. Whoa. Okay. I'm not naive enough to think that Josh Whedon looked at all of these shorts, but it's very possible that if your short became a finalist, maybe one of his people did. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So a couple of years later, I'm watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Spike, who is uh, an anti-hero on the show. He's a vampire, but he can't hurt people because they put a chip in his head. He's messing with these nerds, and he's trying to get these nerds to do something. He's down in their basement. Guess what he picks up? A limited edition Boba Fett and decides that he says he's going to destroy it if he doesn't do, if they don't do what he wants them to do. I about fell out of my chair. That's insane. So I'm telling you, somebody saw that. Did, One did, of his people saw that. Did you? So what, what are the writing credits on that episode? It didn't say Chad Dowdy. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Cause that's what I would do. I would do the investigation. I would see what the right yeah. credits were and then see if any of those people were affiliated with that. Cause fuck them. That's so specific. You know what I mean? Exactly. And the fact that they, it was almost like they were put in your, my face because it didn't have to be a limited edition Boba Fett. Yeah. Like, limited edition Darth Vader. It didn't matter. Yeah. But it was a limited edition Boba Fett. The same exact scenario. It's also it weird in my that episode, The Dowdy. That was strange. That that was yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, man. So, oh, my God. You're going to ruin Joss Whedon's career with this bombshell. <laughs> Listen, we've already got the Spider-Man on the uh, Disney Plus. We're now taking- we're taking down Joss Whedon. <laughs> so if you uh, want to help us take down Joss Whedon for his blatant plagiarism of Chad Dowdy's uh, script and short film, you can uh, contact us, show your support uh, on Twitter at NQC podcast. Is that right? That's correct. Um, and then uh, Chad, where can the lovely people at home find you? I'm on Twitter at Chad129X. And um, yeah, hashtag Josh Wheaton stole my idea. Yep. Hashtag Josh Wheaton stole Chad's idea or my idea, whichever <laughs> one you want to say. Uh, oh, yeah, probably that'd work better. Hashtag Josh Wheaton stole Chad Dowdy's idea. Yeah, I like that better. But like, spell it J O S H because that's really more on brand for me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, it's great. So yeah, so this has been another episode of Not Quite Cool. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Tune in to next week. Unfortunately, Rob will probably be back here, but we'll be discussing the finale of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode seven of Invincible. And I'm gonna push myself away from the mic so I can do this. We'll also be discussing the film Mortal Kombat. Not Quite Cool is a podcast recorded in Atlanta, Georgia in conjunction with Actors Teaching Actors and Bean Dip Productions.